0: Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, England dispel the ghost of Euro 96 to come past Germany at Wembley and Ukraine join them in the last date after another extra time special. This is the game Euro 2020. And remember, if you're enjoying any of the great content during the competition from The Times and The Sunday Times, then make sure you're subscribed. You can get it for less than a pound a day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial on this jubilant day. Gregor Robertson, I know you've been looking forward to this one. Alison Rudd and Tom Clark joining me because, wow. We can celebrate England ending a 55-year wait for a knockout win over Germany at a major tournament. It finished England 2, Germany nil as they cruise into the quarterfinals. Gareth Southgate's proud Lions. Yes! Phew! <laughs> <laughs> goodness wow. me! That was brilliant wow. from you! <laughs> <laughs> what a day! What a day! You got, you got, you got to enjoy these. These are few and far between. Absolutely, get
1: get this man to Rome. Get him in the dressing room before that quarterfinal. <laughs> G'ing up the boys. Phew, that was fantastic. Tom, what an occasion! Forty thousand fans at Wembley.
0: You know, beating Germany in a major competition. The Euro '96 was the depth of heartbreak for me as a nine-year-old you know, crying my eyes out. I grew up 10 minutes away from Wembley Stadium. It was meant to be a triumphant moment. It has stayed
1: with me ever since. So today I I get the monkey off my back. I mean, it's not just Gareth Southgate, you know. Absolutely. For a lot of fans, it means we can, you know, move past that. And more importantly, for a lot of journalists, it means we can move past that day and stop (laughs) bloody talking about it. Because we've done it. We've beaten Germany at Wembley. It was an incredibly efficient, effective, professional win. None of this kind of Paul Gascoigne sliding in at the back post and just missing it. Oh, what might have been? No need to worry about that. Never need to replay it ever again. It was a brilliant performance and it looked like an incredibly special day for all those that were there.
0: Yeah, we're going to get to the details of exactly how the match went. But Alison, this was one of the great days, wasn't it, for England fans? Yeah,
2: they looked like they were having um, a riot, didn't they? Um, Really strange. Has it been so long since England have won a game that mattered? Because I don't my mind i can't i can't remember the fans looking like that i mean it i had to pinch myself and remind myself i wasn't watching the final because it had that the amount of celebration and <laughs> it, i mean the sheer ecstasy and madness in the crowd it felt like okay, <laughs> it's only it's only the last 16 it's not <laughs> <laughs> i know it's germany but a long way left so it felt uh it did feel slightly incongruous also because there was a lot that was in the balance in that game it wasn't um a thumping england win i know the score line looks pretty emphatic but it went in it went in sort of spells where germany looked the more composed technically astute team and then england came into it and then germany came back into it and so until until england scored two relatively late goals i don't think it was Maybe that's why the fans look so excited because there was a genuine fear that it could go wrong, maybe. But um, yeah, yeah, it was clearly um, a day to remember.
0: I mean, I I thought it was just, I mean, it was fantastic, but it was... For me, we can get to it a little bit later on. I, I almost agree with you. It wasn't quite the final. A lot of people almost reacted as if it was, and that was journalists and fans alike. The players, though, kept a level head at the end of the game, and they kept Gregor a level head throughout the match as well. They were handed a, a new formation to deal with, a 3-4-3. It was a big call from the manager, Southgate. How do you think England performed with those wingbacks?
3: This was a game that was so on the knife edge. You know, if if it hadn't gone right, it kind of Southgate summed up. I think he said, "If if it if it if we got it wrong, I'm dead," and like the reaction would have been really quite visceral, I think. And he, but he, he got it right in the end. And there were fine margins. Mueller's Mueller's chance going through <laughs> to to make it one-one. Werner had a good chance at this, um, in the first half. It was a it was a very cagey game, but there were just moments. There were just moments in Raheem Sterling. Is like a national hero. You guys need to treasure him more than you do. <laughs> um, not not you. I'm not speaking to you specifically, but as a nation, you need to treasure this guy because he steps up. He always steps up for England more than anyone, and he did so. He um, he was outstanding, and you know, even even people are referencing that Jack Grealish was thrown at the right time, and he he, he had a hand in the first goal. He created the second. It, everything just kind of came came good in the end, but. My God, it wasn't a knife edge, and I think you know that's still worth worth remembering. It's, it's worth remembering for me, but you guys don't need to remember <laughs> it because it's like it, you know f- who cares? Who cares? It is a euphoric, momentous day. It's a momentous day for the players. The weight of expectation and the and the kind of the pressure on these guys, and you saw you actually. I came away watch from watching the end of this game, thinking the, the biggest obstacle to England win, to win England winning this competition is kind of us and. And English people, <laughs> the fans. It's like it's the pressure and the weight and the bombardment. And you know the, the 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 team was leaked six hours before, and people are slating the fact that he's gone to a three four three, and why is he not playing Grealish, and why is he not playing Foden? And then for the whole first half, if you're looking at social media anyway, and hearing the pundits at halftime, Harry Maguire is like this old wooden ship who can't move anymore, and like deserves to be thrown on the scrap heap. And so you know it's just that the, the scrutiny is so intense um, that I just have so much admiration for these guys that they kind of they stood strong to it and they stepped up when it mattered and I think that'll that'll be such a huge lift for them now. They, as Southgate also said at the end you know they need to be they need to kind of bring themselves back down to earth now after this as well and say look we can go and win this it's there for them.
2: That's the key though isn't it Gregor that I think I, I too looked at that lineup and I thought, why has Gareth Southgate gone with, um, or why has he left all his best players on the bench? Are we the only yeah. country that would do that? And I think there was roundly a lot of criticism about how he was overly cautious, but he's he's earned himself a free pass now because it worked out. It now looks like he was being very astute and he can name whichever system and whichever lineup he likes in the next game. And no one's going to. No one is going to say, "Oh, he's got that wrong." Why is he going forward at the back again? Why is he doing? Why is he doing that? Why is he matching up with Ukraine? Why is he doing that? They're going to say, "You know, no, Gareth, Gareth clearly knows what he's doing, and we'll, we're we're going to go with him this time." So he's. I think that's the most significant element of it is that uh, um unpromising um, starting eleven actually delivered the goods, and I I am prepared to say maybe. Just maybe Grealish is probably better off the bench. I, I, I'm surprising myself saying that because I would have said start him, given given that um, Germany's defence looked a little on the slow side. But no, his his introduction just gave the team a lift when he needed it, and and you can't because it worked. You have to say Gareth's now got quite a few days in which to do what he wants.
3: See, I would, I would, I would like wholeheartedly disagree with you about Grealish there, Grealish, But I think he should start. But it doesn't matter. We, I think you kind of the thing is he sees them every day in training. He sees, and it, th- there was one phrase as well that stood out for me. And his his interview was brilliant at the end. I thought, you know, you think this this is a this is a good leader for the for the national team for England. And he said he wanted he wanted to see aggressive pressure all over the pitch. That's why he matched them up. And you think I'm not sure that's Grealish. And I don't. So that's why I'm not still not sure you're going to see him. You might see Rashford, you maybe see Foden, you'll, there's, there's a good chance you'll see Saka again. I'm still not sure you'll see Grealish from the start, because at heart, all his decisions are kind of grounded in caution. That's just the way he is, and I think you've got to accept it. and that means it'll all be decided, it'll be forgiven and forgotten if you win the competition.
0: Uh, a couple of things to pick you up on, Gregor. You know, fans being the biggest optical obstacle to England's success. Yeah, I don't to
3: derail MD up too, too much. <laughs> I
0: mean, all I'm saying is, you know, Brazil have that pressure, Argentina have that pressure, Germany have had that pressure. You know, France have that pressure. All the other nations that have won major tournaments since 1966 pretty much have that pressure. So. That's- and they won major tournaments yeah but this is the point the fact that our players haven't dealt with it in the past doesn't make it the fans fault you know because there are other players and other countries where the players have dealt with it perfectly fine you know a lot of big nations are in the same boat as england it's good this group of players can finally deal with it but i I wouldn't say that's the biggest obstacle i'm though very happy to hear you say that we do need to treasure raheem sterling who got on the score sheet, once again, his third goal in the competition. Harry Kane, of course, got the second as well. Kane's on most of the front pages tomorrow. I can I can understand that because Sterling's had a couple of these days already. But I, I think at Rio Ferdinand was right. You know, he says it's time we put some respect on his name. Alistair, do you think Sterling has been treated fairly or unfairly?
2: Well, he was probably treated. I know. I don't. If you take it in pure football terms, I think he had a relatively disappointing season with City. They didn't need to. Build the attack around him. And you would sometimes see them play and think, oh, they're they're playing probably better for him not being there or not starting. Or, oh, he's been a bit disappointing today when he did start. And that's all relative, isn't it? Because he has been so smooth and amazing and his movements a joy, and he can be so effective and difficult to defend against. So when his when his stats dipped and his performances weren't as scintillating then you notice and so it felt like maybe Southgate was you know one thing that people don't like about Southgate is he seems overly loyal and they probably thought he was there was just being too loyal to players who have been good as opposed to the the ones that are coming through and seem more exciting because we know it's um, relatively little about them um so in that sense um I don't think it's unfair to question his starting place in the lineup but I think I don't think anybody begrudges the fact that he's England's top scorer, or that he's a game changer. And I think he's getting the plaudits he deserves. I don't think people are being sniffy about his impact for England now. And so, in that in that sense, he's he's not being unfairly treated. And if he finishes. England's top scorer and keep scoring crucial goals then um, or the only goal then um, he will be the hero of the England team there's no doubt about that I mean there's a fairy tale there isn't that that he grew up seeing the, the Wembley pictures Towers. of Wembley outside his mm. bedroom window and it, it's they're the sort of stories people like you know he's he, it properly matters to him and he dreamed about it so no, I don't think so but I would just quickly like to add I still find him slightly frustrating to watch because I don't always know what decision he's making. Sometimes he seems to stop when he should run and you think, go for it. And he doesn't. And it's as though he, he can't make up his mind, whether he's supposed to or not. There's a sort of hesitancy there sometimes that I do find frustrating and it stops him being a 10 out of 10 player for me.
0: (laughs) So your response was to say, he hasn't been treated unfairly. However, (laughs) he does still annoy me, (laughs) which I quite like.
2: Just a little.
1: (laughs) Tom, what do you think about Raheem Sterling? Is he going to lead England to glory? He could well do. I mean, your choice of the word lead there is interesting, I think, for me, because he's he's this young, talented, skillful player who burst onto the scene. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to always see players in that light that we first saw them. And Raheem Sterling is an incredibly experienced player now. And what I found interesting about these games, this tournament for England, in particular this game, is that he looked like a leader. Harry Kane is obviously the captain, but Raheem Sterling, to me, looked like the kind of go-to man. He won some clever free kicks. He was always the out ball further down the pitch. He kind of helped drag England further up the pitch. You know, As Gregor says, this game was on a knife edge and England actually started quite poorly for the first 10 minutes. And there was a few moments where Sterling was the kind of go-to man. And so you're saying about leading them people might think on the surface that that might mean his goals, but his character as well in the team, this is an incredibly experienced guy who's won a lot in the game. And I think that as much as anything is what has impressed me in these games for England is that kind of leadership and experience on the pitch as well as obviously his goals and his performances.
0: I think he's been very good. I hope it continues. Uh, Harry Kane, on the other hand, I'm not quite so sure about. I mean, I hope he keeps scoring goals after he did today, but his performance as a whole it was, I think, it was pretty so-so again, Gregor. Why do you think Harry Kane's been on the periphery for much of the game today?
3: I think, look, there, there, there's no doubt he he doesn't look like he's brimming with confidence or possibly the best shape he's ever been. In. I don't mean that like as in he's overweight or anything. possibly he's tired, and that's that would be understandable in this end of a season like this. But I think there's also kind of you know there's other circumstances to consider. The English team today played 3-4-3 three, three, and the two midfielders are Phillips and Rice. And really the only player who kind of got in between the lines was Ryan Sterling. And a lot of the time Kane's quite isolated or he would have to drop really deep to try and get involved in, in the play. And that he did that increasingly as the game kind of wore on. So part of it I think is to do with England getting the best out of Kane. And part of it is undoubtedly to do with a bit of a dip in confidence after a bit of a drought. But again, I think this has been a, a momentous day stay and it'd be a huge boost for, for Harry Kane as well. There are a lot of play- you know, speaking about leaders there, I thought Harry Maguire was was a was a leader today. And the way he kind of took responsibility, particularly in the first half when he was stepping out with the ball. You know, the was quite a cagey affair. He thought, well I'm gonna he took it upon himself to do things like Luke Shaw in the second half, you know, really pushing up pushing on, stepping in, involved in involved in the goals, great ball across for, for Sterling. There were some good performances. I thought Calvin Phillips as well. I thought you know he's kind of all action. He flew into tackles. He t- he takes responsibility. He looks to go forward too. So there were, although it wasn't as I said, it was a kind of a cagey tight affair. And it's not just it wasn't just the game. that was on a knife edge. It was the the very future of <laughs> the happiness of this this country for the summer. <laughs> it was like it did feel like that. There were I, I think some players really grew into it and and. You know, you could go through it. I think the back three were well played well. They were brave too in the way that, because, you know, as I said I said last night that they didn't really play with an out-and-out striker, even though they played Werner. The back three had to step in quite often to confront someone like Havertz, who was sitting off. You know, there, was not, there wasn't a centre-forward playing up against them. They, were, they had to be brave and step in, and they did that. So I, I think, I thought there was, bravery is a word you could use for a lot of
1: those players today. Gregor's right to highlight a lot of those players there, but it's interesting that we've come into this podcast and we've mentioned a lot of names now and we haven't yet given a shout out to Jordan Pickford. First. who's four, four games in, no goals conceded. Alison mentioned before about Gareth Southgate being loyal to players. He's obviously been very loyal to Jordan Pickford and I think he's being repaid for that loyalty. I think we're gonna massively. if you're going to actually say that Jordan Pickford has not been impressive at this tournament, we're going to fall out. The guy made two very good saves, In four games. I mean, I'll make my case and you can make yours. England's number one. he two very good saves in this game. He looks far more composed. He's been criticized throughout his career for being kind of too erratic and shouty and a bit mad and prone to losing his head. He looks very composed. He dealt with like high balls into the box against Scotland very well. Yes, he's benefited from a team that plays very cautiously, as Gregor says, and very defensively. But the guy deserves credit. He's been pretty reliable for England, and the idea of saying that Jordan Pickford is England's Mr. Reliable any time in the last two years between the World Cup and now, I don't think you would have said that. And I'm happy to happy to stand by that.
0: It's all based on what he's done before. Yeah, it's just one of those. It's all about you know perception, and ultimately, he was perceived to be as all those things you just mentioned a totally erratic goalkeeper. Now he isn't losing his head.
1: He's Dino's off. I mean, it's just like. I didn't say it was Dino's off. I said he deserves credit for improving as a footballer. Well, what's yeah, he like done? He's
0: made some big saves. He, he, made, a,
1: he, made, he made a couple made of some... saves. He made two big saves today. Yeah, he made he a, a big save so against think, So you don't he think did. Jordan Pickford's
0: been impressive in this tournament? No, I think he's done what he's meant to do. I haven't seen anything extra. What are we talking about here? We all named our team at a group stage. All right, to, to be fair, you did put him in.
1: But Thank ultimately. You very much, uh, yeah. uh, Throughout the season, when you've said Jordan Pickford can't be England's number one. I have said I think he should be. And you've raised those questions throughout the season. I'm just putting it to you now that four games into a major tournament without conceding a goal and making some big saves, that deserves a little mention. I am. Uh, yes, but I'm just talking about performance. And in my opinion, his the
0: high point of his performance is that he's not dropping clangers left, right and centre. I mean, that's like the best bit about it. He's been very, very solid. He's been amongst that's all you need. the... That's all you need. The, yeah, yeah. That's all, uh, listen, he almost epitomises the team. You know, we all thought there was going to be fragilities, left, right and centre and weak points. We thought there would be the same in Jordan Pickford's game. And at the moment, there doesn't seem to be a major weakness in his game. But I'm not listening. I don't think he's about to be named goalkeeper of the tournament. I don't want to say anything negative about England today, by the way. So the fact that you've he even did. drawn me into this <laughs> is ridiculous. I think he's been solid. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm not going to sit here and start giving out golden gloves. That's all I'm saying. You've uh, jinxed it right. now.
2: You've jinxed it now. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. He'll drop Stones a claim now, gonna, and...
2: Stones is going to... Play an all-too-firm back pass, and Pickford is going to be looking in the other direction. And it's going to roll in the back of the net.
0: I mean, all these own goals in this tournament. I mean, I, I'm not going to deep, deep dive into this, but I thought the thing they taught you at five years old was never to send a back pass on target. Now we see them getting fired down the centre of the goal all the time. I mean, it's saying the defenders aren't helping the goalkeepers at all in this competition. Th- that's a side point, totally irrelevant, but I thought I'd mention it now. On Harry Kane, I'm going to go back to Harry Kane. Um, Gregor, do you think England can win the tournament without him being at his absolute best?
3: Yeah, because you're keeping clean sheets, you're not considered a goal. Look, it would it would help massively if Harry Kane found some of his or even close to his best form. But I think you've got a, clearly got a solid foundation, and it may not be thrilling to watch all the time. But you've got players as well who are match winners. You know, Harry Kane's not the only one. You have another three of them on the bench potentially, maybe four. You might go with a different system in the next game again. I think what we're seeing is that England have the players that have a solid foundation and depend on the opposition. Gary Southgate can pick, has, has got an embarrassment of riches to pick from to go and try and break the, the opposition down. And look, they've not done it very kind of artistically so far, shall we say, but they've done it. So I, I really think there's very really lot to complain about just now.
2: I would summarise the game in a, <laughs> rather prosaically rather than bells and whistles. I'd summarise it as two managers who both decided to put faith in iconic players on the assumption that form is temporary, class is permanent. And it backfired for Love because Thomas Muller did very little. And the one chance he had, which would have vindicated him sticking with him, he put wide. And Southgate did the same with Kane. I expect most people were shouting, get him off. He's just tired or something's wrong. He wasn't getting involved. He just wasn't. But because he scored, we now you know it's it's become the narrative's completely changed and and Southgate looks completely vindicated where his counterpart was not for assuming that Kane's class would trump what is clearly a dip in form i mean it, it suits the narrative of victory but if kane's going to do that for 80 minutes in the next match and then hopefully the next match it's not it's not good is it you can't carry a player just because you think oh, i don't know i I don't think he's going to drop him, but I don't, I think it's, I think it's on the cusp of being loyal again and, or, 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 you know, it could, it could, it could backfire, couldn't it?
0: I think if there was a comparable talent waiting in the strikers department in this England squad, I think it's one of the few areas that this squad is pretty weak. And it means that Harry Kane is... Undroppable. I mean, if, even if we had a Jamie Vardy on the bench, you think maybe he might get left out for a game, but I don't think Dominic Calvert Lewin has the reputation currently to oust him. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Not a criticism of Dominic Calvert. lewin
3: Clearly, he's not, he's not going to be considered as an alternative. No, look, look he's got to, he's got to keep playing. I, I, I was just, I was pretty bemused b- by the sort of frenzied reaction to his performances so far. I think there have been reasons for it, and I think England haven't, as I said, England haven't played that well. <laughs> and he's and he's leading the line. There's you know he's, there's not been much kind of interplay around the penalty box. There's not been that many balls put in the box. There's you know I think Jack Grealish would help in that regard. The way he just kind of it looked, made it look so easy that he controlled it the outside of his right foot in kind of one motion and played the cross in his left. As I say, I think he should play, but I think uh, in Gareth we trust.
0: Can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask about Germany's performance. We've we've sort of looked into England. We've spoken about the defence, Sterling, Kane, Grealish as well. It never felt during this entire competition like we were watching the real Germany. You know, and even today, you know, so much of the talk before this match was England have nothing to fear. I mean, that sort of underlines it not being the real Germany, doesn't it, Tom?
1: Yeah, I feel they're a team that's a little bit confused. I don't know about any of you guys, but... The moment I was most worried as an England fan was when Serge Gnabry came off the bench because the idea that he wouldn't be in your starting team. Such a talented player has been great for Bayern Munich in recent seasons. So they've got these players up front who we know quite well after the season at Chelsea. Werner have incredible talents with great potential but stuttering in their careers at the moment. And I would say maybe stuttering is the right word for this German team. They're not quite getting going. But at the same time, I think England did quite well Gregor talked about it before that kind of front footed play and getting on top of them Tony Cruz there's some statistics in the paper tomorrow about how he's had he had fewer touches fewer passes and his pass completion rate was the lowest of any of the four games has been so far which at least says something about Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips performance in that they stopped him dictating the play in a way that he would like to have done whether they're a team in transition as often gets trotted out about big nations who've had big success at tournaments I'm not quite sure but yeah, I would say stuttering and not being, you know, the likes of Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, great talents, not quite getting it right is a, is a kind of good symbol, I think, for this Germany team.
2: I thought Havertz played really well, didn't you?
1: He, he did have a good game, but I just think that generally he's, he's still not fully finding his, his absolute best. And he's still in a team that looks a little bit confused, I think. There were times that I think they started really well. I actually thought for the first 10 minutes they were the better team by a long way. And I was actually thinking, oh gosh, Gareth got it completely horribly wrong. But then England started to get into the game. And as and as Gregor said, they started from the back and into midfield, going for those loose balls, being more on the front foot, pinching possession. So yeah, perhaps it's a little bit harsh to say Havertz is stuttering because he had a good game. But I just mean more generally that he perhaps embodies this kind of Germany team at the moment.
0: I mean, they do have a lot of talent. They've got a lot of young talent coming through as well. I saw a couple of German journalists saying, don't worry about this result because the Hansi Flick era is going to be something else. So we'll wait and see what he's got. But the man he replaces, Jürgen Löw, you know, Gareth Southgate, the next Jürgen Löw, of course, World Cup victory in the future. 15 years in the job. That was his last game. I mean, a defeat to England in your last game after what you've achieved as the Germany boss is almost a sad way for it to end for him, but um, but I think it was unraveling for quite a while. Um, is it is it a fond farewell, Gregor?
3: I think when you you survey his, his tenure, it has to be you know he deserves immense respect. But there's no doubt this has been a pretty dysfunctional Germany team, and I, I confuse the right word, Tom. It's it's kind of I don't know a collection of talented players thrown on the pitch, and it's, they don't look to be quite interacting. Coherently. <laughs> you know, crew, as you say, Cruz sh- should control a game, really, and he, he doesn't look like he's really done that for Jeremy. In this position.
0: You meant that, didn't you? <laughs>
3: good, good. No, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I agree with Alison. I think, Vern, I thought, sorry, Havertz was um, was pretty good today. Uh, obviously, another Pickford save there, Hugh, um, from his volley. Decent stop. Straight down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and Vern, you know, in, in fairness, in the first half, because England players were stepping in, there was always that threat for Werner and Binder and he, that's how he, got, he went through. I think maybe Stones kind of got caught out of position a little bit. As I say, on another day, they could easily have scored and the game could have been slightly different. It could have been more more ner- uh, nail-biting for, for England, but they really they kind of grew into the game more than the
0: Germans and, and, and they deserved it in there, no doubt. Absolutely. And it was a day of redemption for the England boss, Gareth Southgate, after his penalty miss at Euro 96. How much credit does Southgate take? from today Tom
1: a huge amount I think the main thing is Alison touched on it before it kind of this sounds a strange thing to say because he's played four games and I think used kind of three different formations but he's essentially stuck to his guns in his principles overall in that as Gregor said start with caution and being solid and build from there and get the victories and so you have four games four goals scored no goals conceded and so he deserves credit in that sense and that he has been brave. It is brave to change your formation and match up with an opposition. And it, I, look, it, we're in one of these moments now where we'll, between now and the next game, we'll all be lording Gareth Southgate and saying what a good guy he is. And he does speak incredibly well, doesn't he? Let's be honest, in those post-match press conferences. <laughs> um, I actually found it quite moving him talking when he was speaking about seeing David Seaman in the crowd. And someone asked him about 96 and he said, look, I can never... I'll never be able to take away that moment for my teammates, but at least for this team, they can they can forget about the history. So the fact that it does, that those moments still rankle with him, even though, as we said at the start of the show, we're hopefully going to forget them now. Um, I think is uh, is is cause for at least a little bit of sympathy. But yeah, I, yeah, let's let's hope he he's not hugely to blame for at some point. He's an impressive coach and he's an impressive man, I think, as well. I was saying today could possibly
0: be, you know, like the the shootout moment from the last World Cup. You know, it still has to go somewhere from here. Alisson, they play Ukraine next on Saturday, England, and then a semi-final against either Denmark or the Czech Republic. Is he still going to have all this credit with the fans if England aren't in the final?
2: Uh, Well, he'll have credit with the FA because they're going to keep him on there, whatever, aren't they? So uh, it'll be wasted breath. wasted chanting if they go anti-Gareth because he's not going to leave um but having said that it's like had Jack Draper beaten Novak Djokovic on Centre court in his opening match in his debut at Wimbledon he'd have thought oh well I that's like winning Wimbledon final that's a bit of a shame that isn't what this means so beating Germany in the last 16 and then not going on to win it It would seem a bit like that it's like you've done the hardest game so if you can't then get over the line with ukraine and uh, then denmark then it, it, it feels like, oh, did you just expend too much energy on the Germany game? Did you did you take the wrong lessons from it? I mean, there will be criticism if you can't overcome Ukraine, apart from anything else. We don't have a history with Ukraine. We're not desperate to beat Ukraine. They're sort of there to be beaten, and it's a fait accompli. And if you don't get your fait accompli, then you get very upset. Um, and in addition, what Ukraine went through tonight, um, every single player it seemed to me it was nobbled or hurt or limped or clutched their head. And they all had a quite awful time. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're there to be, they're an exhausted, injured team. They, you know, if, if England can't beat them, it's like, what a waste to expend all that energy on beating Germany. So there will be criticism if he doesn't do it.
0: Well, yeah, Ukraine did well to come past Sweden. Many people thought Sweden would win. Uh, I know, Tom, you think it was the slowest match in in history in the European Championship. It did take a long, long time for that game to end and it almost got to
1: penalties. Do you think Ukraine can hold England back? I mean, the slowest match of the tournament was probably because I'm still stuck in the office and I was just waiting to celebrate (laughs) England's win with you guys. I, I was trying to weigh up watching that game, who I would rather face as an England fan and I think probably Ukraine because I think they will give us more chances to score for the talented players that we have. They have a few talented players themselves, Yarmolenko, Zinchenko. You know, these guys are capable of smashing one in from 30 yards past a despairing Jordan Pickford finally beaten in goal. But, you know, I think they will give us chances. England have got to be favourites for this game and I mean, perhaps, perhaps we should ask our friendly Scott whether he thinks we're now favourites to the tournament, I don't know. Where he's the only one who's allowed to speak without any uh, any bias.
3: I'm not sure to go that far. I think he got <laughs> Bel, you know, Belgium and Italy. That clash is big, and the fact that they're meeting each other is big for England. That's I the thing, final, you know, mate. He-
0: for me, that that's the final. The winner's coming out of that. Whoever wins that, they've won it.
3: Okay, uh, <laughs> I think I, I think Denmark as well are kind of. You know they've got the wind in their sails, and obviously they need to get past the checks first. But I think that would be a real test in the semi-final. Although you know, being being back at Wembley would is another. It does seem like the stars are aligning, and kind of uh, not entirely sure how I feel about that. But anyway, let's move on. It was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, you, you, you're certainly along with Belgium and Italy. It's it's uh, you're the favourites, but it's been a strange strange old competition. Again, we're seeing seeing nations that are that are the, the kind of middle ranking nations really really step up in the knockout stages and it's uh it's made for some
0: some thrilling thrilling knockout tournament football i'll ask the two england fans to end then in a word is football coming home Alison?
2: no 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 i never changed my mind denmark are going to win the tournament so that's that
1: does this mean i have to say yes because it feels kind of slightly out of Probably, a bit of a miserable podcast, otherwise. Slightly out of character for me to say yes. But yes, sure, absolutely. It's coming home. We're going to break Alison and Denmark's hearts in the semi final and then we'll win the final, no problem. Jordan Pickford will score the final penalty in a penalty shootout, and you'll finally say what a great tournament he's had. There you go.
0: I will. I absolutely will. If football comes home, trust me, everything I've ever said about England will be deleted and wiped from the history of the (laughs) game podcast. I'll do it personally. Uh, Alison Rudd, Tom Clark, Gregor Robertson, thank you for being with me and keeping me on a an even kilter. I've kept you, I think, on an even kilter as well when it comes to what England might do over the coming weeks. But we certainly got much, much more to look forward to here on The Game Podcast. We'll be back uh, very soon, a couple of days away from looking ahead uh, to the last eight in the European Championship. And of course, all the great journalism will continue on The Times and The Sunday Times. So make sure you're subscribed. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk for slash the game to begin your free trial. You can get it, by the way, For less than a pound a day. We will see you very soon. But if you are enjoying the podcast, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you soon. Q
2: Craft Work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should have gone with Q Fat Les. No, no, (laughs) no.